Thank you. Well, at this time of year, I often get um, quite nostalgic because in my 20s, I spent most of uh, the t- or most of my summers up in Haida Gwaii uh, working at remote fishing lodges. And it was at this time of year that we would begin to load the barges in Vancouver, and then we would tow the barge from Vancouver up to Prince Rupert and then across Hecate Strait out to the west side of Haida Gwaii. And that trip would take somewhere between a week and two weeks, depending upon the weather. And there was a great deal of excitement. Excitement that we got to work at a fishing lodge and excitement that we got to work uh, in such a beautiful location. Excitement that we got to work every single day for the next 120 days straight. No, seriously, it was exciting because if you're a student and you get to work like that and you can't spend your money, it sets you up to go to school, which is a good thing. And it was something that I really, really appreciated. And, you know, my personality of loving being busy and always doing something, it resonated with me. And so this year we hit spring and I began thinking back to those years that I spent there. And Pastor Chelsea comes to me and asks if I would preach on this Sunday. I said, yes. Is there something in particular you'd like me to preach on? Well, yes, we're doing a a series on Sabbath. Mm. (laughs) Can I pick something else? Well, you can, but I'd prefer if you stuck to the topic. I don't know. Okay. So I am going to honor Chelsea's request, not uh, so much because I feel I am an expert on this, but because it is something that I need uh, to work on. So I'm actually seeing myself um, there in the congregation hearing my words. So I'm, I'm speaking more out of a place of learning and uh, to a certain sense, bewilderment, uh, but also anticipation that God is indeed speaking to um, all of us together. The passage uh, for today comes from Mark chapter 2 uh, and begins at verse 23. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, verse 23, um, I will read it now. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. As we read the Gospels, a theme that continually comes out is Jesus engaging the religious leaders of the day. 
And these engagements are most often revolving around controversy. There is a disagreement, a disagreement about how to interpret what God requires of his people. A disagreement as to how to actually live for God. And many of these disagreements revolve around the Sabbath. The Sabbath was incredibly important for the Israelite people. It came from the fourth commandment that was given to Moses to teach the people of God how to live. Sabbath was a very distinct part of their identity. It was how they were able to differentiate themselves. It was one of the ways they could differentiate themselves from the culture around them. And it makes sense. Think about the Israelite people being in exile, not having a temple, a place where they could gather. No matter where they were, they could always set aside a place in time that they could recognize God. It was critical to who they were as people. But Jesus was not challenging them on the fact that Sabbath was important. He was challenging them on how they interpreted it and how they worked it out. So, so often when we read these passages, at least I know when I read these passages, a controversy around Sabbath, it's like, yeah, Jesus is showing them that Sabbath doesn't matter, so I can get on with being busy and working. Really? Perhaps, but probably not. This passage we are looking at in Mark is also given to us in Matthew and Luke. A story that follows, the telling of this story follows very similar format in each, but there is one thing that stands out in Mark. There is a verse that we don't see in any of the other tellings of this story. And it's when Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for humanity not humanity for the Sabbath. And so I want to look at that particular phrase. What is it that Mark is teaching us here? What is it that Mark is showcasing in Jesus' teaching that is so critically important? What does it mean that Sabbath is made for us, not us for the Sabbath? I think what it means is that Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is something that God gives to us. The challenge is we see it as a commandment, a requirement that, well, is not really required anymore. Think to the Ten Commandments. I think there's actually a, I won't say an inherent problem, but a challenge for us as we view them as commandments. I think it is actually more helpful to think of them as the ten responses. Because how are those commandments introduced? They are introduced by God saying, I am the God who led you out of Egypt, who led you out of slavery. Therefore, you will. And too often we forget that, that God first acted He did not say, you will do all of these things, and when you get these ten ten things right, I will lead you out of Egypt. He says, no, I have led you out of Egypt. I have done something first. Therefore, 
these are your responses. And that might be semantics, but I think it is helpful for us seeing what is going on here, what the importance of these commandments or responses really is. And so the command to keep the Sabbath holy comes from the fourth commandment. And we find the Ten Commandments given to us in two places in the Old Testament. One in Deuteronomy 5, and then again in Exodus 20. What is interesting here in giving the the commandment is there is a different rationale given each time that commandment is given. In Deuteronomy 5, it refers to the Exodus. So think about what's going on here. The Israelite people have been led out of slavery. They have been let out of a place of total work. You will work every single day. You will work very hard. And if you complain, we will pile more work on you. This is not something that went on for 120 days. This is something that went on for years and years. In fact, 400 years this went on. This was deeply, deeply ingrained into the Israelite people. And what does God say to them? You will take a break. You will rest. No longer do you need to work all the time. You get to take a break. In fact, I am commanding you to. You thought that Pharaoh was top. You thought that Pharaoh had complete control. But no, I am stronger than Pharaoh. I am bigger than Pharaoh. And where Pharaoh is saying you need to work all the time, the God of the whole universe is saying you don't need to work. Sabbath is not something we earn. It is not something we get after we've worked hard enough all week and we've achieved everything and then we get to take a break. No, it is a gift that comes to us from God. But what do we do? Do we take that gift? Do we open it? Or does it sit there and collect dust? year after year? Do we even recognize that that gift is there? That gift is there for us to take, for us to enjoy, for us to experience the goodness of God in our lives right now. That gift is there for the taking. What is it that holds us back? Why is it that we don't take that? Why is it that we get too caught up in our busyness, too caught up in our need to achieve, too caught up in the need to just be doing something? What do we discover when we open this gift? What do we discover when we take this opportunity seriously? I mentioned earlier that that fourth commandment is given to us twice. We looked at it in Deuteronomy 5. But when we look at it in Deuteronomy, or sorry, in Exodus 20, we see a different rationale given for it. So rather than you take Sabbath because you're no longer in slavery, in Exodus 20, you take Sabbath because God himself 
took a Sabbath break. And so it references Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, where God has finished creating the entire cosmos, and he takes a break. So in Exodus 20, you will keep the Sabbath holy because of what God has done, because of what God did. And so we are commanded to take Sabbath because we are made in the image of God. And in taking Sabbath, we imitate God. We reflect God. We do what God did. And here's the irony of it. As we imitate God, as we do what, we, what God does, we learn that we are not God. We rest in God's goodness. We trust that God will carry us through. The things of the day do not need to happen because I am going to do them. God is going to make sure that things happen. We can rest. We can trust God. Sabbath is not something we do when all the work is done. Sabbath is something we enter into because of what God has done. What were Christ's word on the cross? It is finished. It's done. When we enter into Sabbath, we enter into that completed and finished work of Christ. It's done. It's finished. Sabbath helps us claim the sacredness of time. I believe one of the great failures of contemporary Christianity is that we have narrowed it down and made it so small and tiny. It is a single belief. It is a single thing that we do on Sunday morning. It is so much more. And Sabbath helps us recognize how much bigger it really is. Jewish theologian Abraham Joseph Heschel in his book, The Sabbath, teaches us that Sabbath helps us recognize that there is a cathedral in time that we can enter into. So think about a cathedral. Have you been into any of these huge Roman Catholic churches in the world? That's something I like to do when I travel is go to these cathedrals. And it doesn't matter whether you are religious or not. You walk into these places and there's a recognition that there's something sacred here. Or perhaps it's a beautiful place in nature, a recognition that there is something sacred. We recognize the sacredness of place. What Sabbath does is help us recognize the sacredness of time. It creates a cathedral in time, a place in time that we can encounter God, that we can experience God, and that we can invite others into. God is a God of time, a God who shows up at specific times, a God who is there. Think about Moses. Think about David. Think about Jesus. Think about us. 
we can see times in our life when God was there. Sabbath is about recognizing the sacredness of time. That time is a creation of God and something that can be used for God's good purpose. So in light of Sabbath being a gift, how do we practically live it out? We need to be careful that we don't create a whole bunch of rules. We may have different rules than the Pharisees did, but the challenge is we can just as easily make a bunch of nice rules that will allow us to tick off, yes, we are keeping the Sabbath. And so I don't want to suggest to you a different set of rules than the Pharisees. I want to suggest to you a outlook, a perspective that helps us to experience Sabbath. In her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, that is holy spelt with a W, so in its completeness, Marva Dawn gives us four aspects of Sabbath that I think are important. And those four, four words that she uses are cease, rest, embrace, and feast. Four things that help us to understand what is God doing in Sabbath. So first, cease. The immediate thing here is to stop what you're doing. And this is really hard. I don't like stopping what I'm doing. So I think, okay, well, I'll stop working. Well, that's easy. Take a break from my job, and I'll pile up a whole bunch of other things. I'll get really, really busy. So it's not just a stop from paid work. It is a stop from busyness. How many of us are busy, have lots of things happening? Sabbath is about taking a break from that, from the busyness. Sabbath can be a break from the things that distract us. My wife Heidi went down to teach Sunday school, and she says, I've got your phone. It's in my purse. I'm going to take it downstairs. What? (laughs) I'm going to be without that phone for about 35 minutes. (laughs) I wasn't even planning to use it. In fact, I turned the ringer off, and I don't even want to know if anyone's calling me. But I think that resonates from us. We get so attached to these things. And I'm not coming down on technology because I think there's an appropriate place for how we can connect with people. But when there's this attachment, when there's this welling up that I'm going to be without my phone for 35 minutes and that's a problem, that's probably an indication that we need to set it aside. It's not something we earn. How many of us are working for the weekend? 
getting the things done that we need to do so that we can take a break. And if I can't get it done before the weekend, I'll work through the weekend so that I can take a vacation. And there's an end, an end which I define. Sabbath is an end in which God defines. You're going to take a break. And you're going to trust in me. We like to do rolling stops. I call them the Harewood stop. I live down in Harewood and there's lots of four-way stops and people just kind of roll through them. I think that's often how we do Sabbath. We'll slow down a bit and then we'll kind of speed on. But think about that. What, what happens when people just roll through a stop sign? Or traffic light is yellow or red and we're supposed to be slowing down and stopping and we charge through. You might get lucky for a while, but eventually you're going to hit a wall and there's going to be an accident. We need to learn to cease, to take a break. The second thing that Marvadon gives us is rest. We need to allow ourselves to recover. So this may be physically, this may be mentally, this may be spiritually, but we just need to rest. One of the things I enjoy doing is riding my mountain bike and actually training and getting fit. And I can feel great and I can think that I am recovered and then I will go push myself and my body is saying, You can't do this. My heart rate monitor will be coming up to, say, 160, and I know it should be at 180. And the body's just saying, no. I let it drop down to 140, and I feel fine again. We often don't realize we need a rest until we are maxed out. And by then, it's usually too much. We need to rest. We need to sleep. We need to relax. When I worked at the fishing lodge, we had a black chef, and he would say to me, my name was Preacher up there, he'd say, Preacher, you need to learn to relax. You're always in a rush. He's right. You do need to learn to relax and rest. But it's not just relaxing, like recreation. We need to look at what actually rejuvenates us. And so rest will mean different things for different people. If your job and your day-to-day life requires you to sit at a desk, rest may involve getting outside getting some exercise. Conversely, if your job is very heavy, manual, you build houses, you work in construction, rest may be a physical rest. Rest will be as unique as it is for each one of us, but we need to recognize that rest is important. The third thing, that Marva Dawn gives us is embrace. And what she means here is the importance of community, the importance of 
coming together as people. So often we will say, I need me time, just me. And that's important. We do need to have a place where it is just us and God. But we also need to recognize that we need each other. Not in a sense of what are we going to accomplish and be busy together, but how are we just going to rest with one another and enjoy one another's company? And so this will be engagement with the church community, what we are doing right now. This will be time spent with your spouse, with your family. Not necessarily doing something, but just being together. As we embrace others, we invite others into this cathedral of time. We invite others into this sacred space in time. Is busyness causing us to separate ourselves from others? How do you feel when you ask someone to meet you for a coffee or come for dinner or do something with them and the response is, I'm busy? What does that communicate? What that communicates is that I am most important and you are somewhere down here. God calls us to community and to each other, not to busyness and rejection. Busyness can be self-important. Busyness is off-putting to the other. The fourth thing that Marvadon gives us is feet, feast. And I love this one because I love to eat. And I love to eat with others. And so when we talk about community, being with others, it's important to gather around food together. Is that not what we do in communion? We gather around a meal. When we gather together and eat, we share in something. Every single person in this world needs to eat. It's a commonality we all share. And when we eat, we eat from God's abundance, from the food that God has given us from this earth. We connect with God. We connect with one another. So just as busyness is off-putting, Hospitality is engaging of the other. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. When Jesus lives in us and we invite others in, we are inviting others to Jesus, those who are weary. Who are those who are weary in our community? Who are those in our midst who are weary who could just use a meal. Jesus is in us. And when we invite people into our homes to gather around food, we invite them to experience Sabbath. We invite them to experience Jesus' goodness. 
And so this is not dependent on how good a meal you do and how clean your house is. As if there's some more busyness that we need to do to do this. It's about just sharing who we are, taking a break, and recognizing what God has done. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your gift of Sabbath to us. Your gift of resting in you, your gift of your abundant provision. God, may we enter into your rest. May we enter into your Sabbath that we may be more like you that we may be more like the people you are creating us to be. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have given us this gift. In Christ's name, amen.